The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at TNTradio.live. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Willkommen, Germany. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show from Berlin, Germany. And my guest is Thomas Röper, um, the German unofficial correspondent from Russia. He's doing the job that our mainstream media don't do. He's in St. Petersburg, and he's one of the most important sources that we have to get dissenting information. Uh, dissenting means simply mostly factual. He's translating other articles from Russia, speeches from Vladimir Putin or Lavrov, And uh, he's uh, one of the most clicked persons uh, on the alternative media scene in Germany and meanwhile an institution. And he's also a regular guest in Russian TV, different stations. So thank you very much for being with me on my show now, Thomas. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. And uh, we are talking about his new book, which is a bombshell uh, it's only available in german i think that should be changed <laughs> but uh, we have another issue which is really hot and that is that um we heard in germany and with difficulties we heard about a telephone interview of five four very high-ranking german officers three of them are generals we don't know what rank the fourth has It's the chief of the German Air Force and two people from Space Command. And they are this German Space Command, which exists. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, the topic is uh, the Taurus cruise missile, which can be started from airplanes. And they're discussing using it against the bridge um, over the um, catch. I think it's catch, right? Uh, the bridge over the uh, connecting yeah, the, the, bridge, the Crimea bridge. Yeah. The Crimea bridge. And um, it's very interesting. I will tell you, I when I woke up this morning, it's still in the mo uh, it's still early afternoon now in Germany. When I woke up this morning, um, I heard that four officers of uh, the German forces have been um, that their, their discussion has been taped by the Russians and distributed, um, and it's cancelled. By the way, in Germany, if, if you have it on your Twitter account, you get cancelled. Um, they cannot put it back in the box. They omit that these are high-ranking. It's the chief of the German Air Force who is discussing a possible strike with Taurus on the Crimea Bridge. Um, they're discussing political issues back and forth, but um, it's uh, it's uh, they cannot put uh, it, uh, the genie back into the bottle, but they try hard to do it. And they try to diminish it, and they try to tell us that the issue is not what they talk about, the direct involvement of Germany. They also mention that there are other NATO soldiers active in the Ukraine against Russia. Um, we know, meanwhile, that there are Polish soldiers fighting in Ukrainian uniform. We know that people from the Uh, from the uh, air defense systems um, are not Ukrainians using that. Uh, you have uh, people from all over, and they say that there are some American-speaking people there too. So this is already a NATO war, um, and they try to diminish, as I said, the impact in Germany by declaring the main issue this that it was be that it was hacked. 
that the conversation was hacked and what did the evil Russians do? They listened into our uh, the conversation of some officers. They don't say the rank, but this is much more than that. Maybe you can tell us, uh, Thomas, uh, what the perspective in Russia is, because um, what I noticed is it's a big thing. Yeah? It's a big thing in Russia. Yeah, uh, this was news number one the whole Friday. Um, here in Russia, and uh, on, on the transcript was published already in at noon, on, I think at one o'clock, and then in the evening at uh, six in the evening, they even published the whole video in Germany. Uh, the German news, uh, when we look at German time, so it was seven in the morning when the first news came, and the German news needed time till nine in the evening to start um, <laughs> reporting it. right so they needed they needed 14 hours to discuss uh, what will be the frame for this news and the news is in general in germany the news as well the russian the russians listen to our call what is the problem with this security at, at our army and it is all russian propaganda so what is discussed in this in this um telephone call the, German, the germans just don't know and it was uh, discussed uh, bringing the taurus uh, cruise missiles from germany to to Ukraine, they discussed technical questions, and they discussed the problem that the Ukrainians will not be ready to use them without helping, without programming from Germany, which would be mm. a direct um, participation in the war against Russia. Uh, so they tried, uh, they discussed several ways to somehow um, cover that, to like uh, let the Ukrainians contact the the producer of the of the cruise missiles, um, and, and putting there some Bundeswehr officers, so just nobody will know that the Bundeswehr is involved. They discussed many many ways, and one of the ways was also to let the British British do the, the programming because they do the same anyway for Storm Shadow, which means the British are already in the war involved in the war. Um, and this is everything. This all this uh, the the German uh, uh, yeah the Germans just don't know. And uh, the news in Germany, the media does everything uh, to to cover the story. That's that's the thing. Not to cover, but to cover up. They the want story. to close it, close it up, and close it. <laughs> yeah, they want to make sure. As I said, they try to uh, to uh, divert your attention to the fact that it was uh, that it is a hacked conversation. But this, um, this is where they. This, sorry, this is a way they always do. This is the, how the German media works. Um, they get something, they don't know what to do with it, they need a half a day to think about it, then they all report the same. We had the same story, for example, with the Hirsch story on, on, on North Stream. When this came out, it took also several hours or maybe even a day or two, and then they came up with, uh, with ah, then they even they came up with the with the Ukrainian story. But they did the same. They they said, oh, it's all um, uh, conspiracy theory, the man is old, <laughs> and so on, mm -hmm. uh, but not, nothing about uh, what, what Hirsch wrote. And that's the same here. The Germans just don't get, don't get to know what was talked, what they talked about in this in this conversation, and this is how the way they covered. They focus on something else, say, hey, 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 Russian propaganda, or hey, the man is old, but not not telling about what's what, what's the what's the issue. And uh, there's also another slant that the British uh, there's a British reaction to the news that we have, and you can say, meanwhile, I mean, if you want to get to the information, you can get it. It's just that uh, our media react like uh, like they are part of a uh, military propaganda version. They don't uh, act as uh, like a news agency or news or reporting on it. They try to uh, to find the right way to be on the state uh, state side of reporting about that. Government, government the side, British yeah. government side, 
Yeah, the the British were slightly. Um, no, I won't use that word. <laughs> they were they were not happy that uh, they considered a breach of secrecy that the German officers talked about. And with this conversation is now out that the British are directly involved in the Ukraine with military personnel. So that's direct involvement. I mean, anyhow, it's I think this is all ridiculous. Also, also the way they talk, they they talk as if in Russia, nobody in the political sphere and the military sphere understands that this is kind of a of a NATO war against Russia. They still act as if it's uh, the Ukrainians. And if we don't do this or that, then the Russians will not consider it um, a, an attack of some European. But that's not the way how it works. It's not important what our people say. We also had a lot of of people from the law system who were, uh, were lecturing on if this is direct involvement or not. That's not important. Important is what Russia thinks it is. It's not, there is no court decision on what it, but uh, maybe you can tell us what the, what do the Russians, what do they think is going on? And, and yeah, there is Medvedev was, uh, that is an important thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, this is, and this is all not new. Um, that that NATO NATO is involved in this war is in Russia already common sense and for weeks and months. Um, there are so many um, uh, notices from the defense ministry when they uh, find uh, NATO uniforms um, that that the Patriot systems are at least commanded by officers from Western states is nothing new. That the Caesar Haubitz from from uh, France also use NATO codes. It's not new, and the Ukrainians don't have access to these codes. Um, <clears throat> that the storm shadow is programmed by uh, British soldiers is nothing new for the Russians. So in Russian, it's common sense in the public already. So this was a, a nice detail, but um, of course, uh, for the Russian government now, this is an official, um, an official notice to see what the what the Germans German soldiers are discussing, the officers. Um, but the fact itself was not new in Russia at all. Um, and and you have to understand that the the German generals. I even think um, uh, when I heard this uh, um, uh, tape, uh, they were more afraid about the re reaction of the German politicians. So it was always about uh, big polit politicians mm. pol politics. So it was the question um, how we get uh, the politics, the politicians in Germany, to understand that this is not involving in the war. They were not talking about the Russians. That the Russians know that this is nothing new and the generals of course know that also. They just try to formally not be part of the war, but the Russians know that already. Just keep in mind Americans and and British uh, were very proud in 2022 uh, to plan operations together with Ukrainians when they had some success. They were very proud before the big offensive in, of 23. They assisted the Ukrainians in all the planning and exactly for the planning, they delivered the weapons. They were so proud of it in, in March, April. And then when the contrary offensives didn't work, they, they, they were well, not me. You, Kiev is so stupid to, to fight a war. So for Russia, it is not new since 22 that the West is involved. But the reaction is strong. I listened to Medvedev who quoted uh, a poem uh, from Second World War and they said the, the Germans are after us again. So I think uh, yeah. the reaction is uh, is uh, not really, it's not new. Uh, the reaction from the government is a very strong one. Yeah, If you can elaborate on We will see what that. the reaction will be. But, but, but by now it's just, just words. Um, I think interested might be when the parliament comes back, the... the uh, uh, the, the members of the parliament are right now in the country. They come back on 10th of uh, March to Moscow, and then this will be a topic there. But let's see what they will decide. 
Um, by now, it's harsh words. Uh, the Russian foreign ministry said um, that they expect an explanation from the Germans if there comes nothing. Uh, uh, they see it as an announcement of, of being guilty. Um, we will see. Right now, it's it's words, it's harsh words, but what, what will be the actions? Um, let's wait some days. Mm. Yeah, that's what Maria Sakharova said. Uh, if you uh, they want uh, um, they want a comment and a valid com comment on that, and if they say nothing, they consider it uh, you are guilty, and you uh, you acknowledge we acknowledge that. So this will not go easy with the Russians. Yeah, and Medvedev, the poem that is a poem for, I think from 1942 that he quoted, where it said basically, uh, uh, kill the enemy. Make sure that his houses are burning, not ours. That his mother is weeping, not ours. So it's a fierce. It's a. It's an. Uh, it's a poem of the situation in Russia when Russia was flooded, and uh, it was in a war of extermination, Second World War. So it was a lot of villages destroyed. I mean, twenty-seven million people died in Russia. That's always. If you compare it to 409,000 uh, American soldiers that died in the whole Second World War, including the Pacific, then you get a dimension of what it means for Russia. So uh, relating to that, um, I noticed when I was in Russia that uh, it was they were quite friendly towards us. Not quite. They were very friendly towards us and said uh, it was not about us being uh, Nazis. They considered at that time Nazis and then Germany yes. is something different, but now it gets crossed over. Yeah, now it's yeah, uh, the Germans are coming back. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You have to understand one thing, um, and this is also right now. Um, in World War Two, in the Cold War, all the time, uh, even now, uh, regarding Ukraine or U.S. or Germany, uh, the Russian media, the Russian history books, documentaries, and so on, they make a big difference between the politics of a government and the people. So even in World War II, when 27 uh, people were killed by Germans, uh, they didn't say all the Germans are bad. They said always Nazi Germany or Hitler Germany. So mm. they always make the difference between the people and the government, which the Western media don't do. And, and this is also now. They, they don't say the Ukrainians are all bad. We have to kill them. They say Ukrainians are, are wit uh, uh, um, victims of the policy of their stupid government. So we are fighting against the Ukrainian government, but not against the Ukrainian people. And now they don't say all Germans are, are, are bad. They say the German government is stupid. And and this the, this difference the Russians always make. So you will still, when you come to, to Russia right now, as a German, you will still uh, be welcomed very nicely. Um, but they maybe will tell you your government is shit. And you can just say, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's all. <laughs> Okay, um, let's go to the ads uh, for um, a few minutes and then we get back to this issue and then to your book because your book is uh, another bombshell, not only this topic that we're discussing right now. TNT's David Curtin. Free speech is not something that everybody has enjoyed through all of history. And it's not something that people enjoy all around the world. If you suffer under the Chinese Communist Party or severe Islamic regimes, you don't have freedom of speech. But in the West, it's generally assumed that it is a condition of living and we take it for granted. But we shouldn't do. And it hasn't come from nowhere and it has been hard fought for. David Curtin on today's News Talk TNT. 
In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number 4, My Say. Today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. Yes, and back uh, to my conversation with Thomas Röper, um, who is uh, the unofficial German correspondent in Russia, <coughs> stationed in St. Petersburg, where he lives since, I think, 20 years, about 20 years now. and Even more, even more. Even more. But um, you are um, fluent in Russia and you're a regular guest on the Russian media trying to explain what um, what the German, not the German perspective, but <clears throat> what uh, what the situation is like regarding use in in Germany. And I mentioned Maria Sakharova, um, who um, that was a, another fierce statement. But I think uh, what you said, I this is what I noticed that Russians uh, they don't talk about the Germans in general. But in this case, it was remembrance. I never heard that before, really, that uh, that was remembrance with the situation, what they call the Great Patriotic War. And they're very proud of that. And that has to be understood for them. It meant our weapons, our forces, the enormous sacrifices of people made sure that Russia still exists. That is, uh, it's three times. It's uh, Napoleon, it's First World War, where also Germany invaded by the way also ukraine <laughs> and now <clears throat> and then second world war and that was uh, an enormous sacrifice and they relate to that so i remember when i was in russia in 2017 um, i was talking to members of the night wolves which is a biker how to say it it's a biker club it's not a gang it's not like the um, they're tough guys but they are not like criminals like let's say the uh, hell's it's, angels it's, it's, Patriotic Biker Club. A Patriotic Biker Club. It's, I think that's correct. And But we were discussing with them. And one guy told us uh, that made quite an impression on us. He said, uh, OK, um, you've been here two times. If you come back a third time, we will come to Berlin and nobody will survive. Because when they came back into Germany, the German German troops tried to uh, to capitulate to the Western forces. And the reason was that, of course, everybody in the German army knew what had been done in Russia, and they feared the revenge of the Red Army. And the Red Army was not really taking revenge on the on the Germans. They were atrocities, but um, to make a comparison, we had a popular a popular issue that uh, raping of German women by Soviets. That what Nazi propaganda was uh, transmitting in the end months of the Second World War to get the spirits of the German soldiers to fight until the end. But we have, for example, a scientific survey which looks at the children that had been, that came into life by rape um, because there was no father and the mothers applied for uh, for uh, help, financial help from the state. So that was a good number to make sure that you have an accurate number what was going on. And there's not much difference between the situation in the French occupied zone and the British occupied zone and the American occupied zone and the Soviet occupied zone. So 
they were not uh, they were not acting as many people expected and especially in berlin they noticed that's the thing it's really it's really something that uh it's kind of uh not uh, not having uh, um the wish to destroy the population although there were poems of that kind but i feel the difference when i hear what medvedev now says that i can see that they're starting to get angry and that is well, a situation no, that no, is not no, no, they're not starting they're, they're, they're not starting we had uh, this announcement already on the on the tanks um uh, but this is a topic for another for another uh, show i think we are now half of the show already in russia <laughs> um okay. no, this is nothing um we, we had we, we can now discuss about one year ago when the leopard tanks came to to uh, donbass and so on so this is not really new the reaction the comparison with world war 2 um that uh, mm -hmm. the germans the German tanks are back 300 kilometers from former Stalingrad. This is an issue in Russia already for more than a year. Okay. Okay. You are the correspondent. I just say what I see. So let's get to your book, which is, I read it from page one to the last one. It only took me two and a half days. It's something like 300 pages because it's really, it's, uh, it's hard to say where to start. But uh, the point is that uh, what you describe is that um ukraine is kind of a fiefdom of the biden family <laughs> and uh, it's uh ukraine we know is one of the most um, most corrupt states worldwide and i think the most corrupt state in europe you could say that um i don't know if it really in the ranking where it stands but maybe you can you started out to explain the situation um you started before um even before the bidens went into ukraine which is 2014 they came with a uh, with a uh, with a coup, uh, the Maidan coup, but um, maybe we start there chronologically. So uh, you describe the companies that they were involved in. Uh, if you can give us an overview, and that, as I said, uh, I think it, the book should be translated because there's a, quite a lot of stuff in there that has never been reported in the West. It's only been reported in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Um, well, maybe I have to first of all uh, explain. Uh, I'm on this topic already for a very long time. I, I after Ukraine, at least since 2014, and um, uh, I was lucky enough in 2000, what was it, 20, uh, to have an interview with Mr. Onyshenko, who was after the Maidan, who the mm -hmm. how it's called, right hand of of President Poroshenko, and he was yes. the guy for for the dirty work, and and uh, well, to make the long story short, they. Um, got across in 2016 he had to leave Ukraine and um, uh, he had very much uh, compromising materials about Poroshenko and about Biden there were many many phone calls where they openly discussed corruption themes and so on so and um, uh, Onyshenko I got I interviewed in 2020 and it was a two, and two hour interview and many things that he told me I knew many things were new details and many things at that mm. time I couldn't prove um, but as time went on, uh, things came out, uh, became public, and there is nothing where Mr. Onyshenko told me not the truth where he lied. Um, so uh, much of what I say in the book is based on that, and is uh, well, and I have, have uh, uh, sources which everybody can check. Open, open sources, uh, you can you can see that the things I'm, I'm writing are true. Um, but you can understand many things only with the knowledge of Ukraine, of the situation there, and, and so on. So you need much, much background knowledge to understand the topic. And and we talk about about 2014 and, and the schemes that happened. 
the Maidan happened end end of February 2014. So it was a coup. I don't want to go in this topic right now, but this was against the constitution at all on all points. Mm -hmm. Um, and then already in May 2014, Hunter Biden, who at that time, I'll come back to that, was not able to work at all, became a member of member of the boards of directors from the company called Burisma. It's a gas fracking company, uh, which is owned by one oligarch in Ukraine, Mr. Um, Slochevsky, who was uh, an environment minister before the Maidan. Uh, and he, of course, as, as being a minister, he gave the uh, good uh, spots for for fracking gas to his own co company. Anyway, that's Ukraine. So and and then uh, the problem was that um, he uh, of course uh, wasn't liked by the new government, and he had to protect himself. So like mafia, and he took many many people from the west in his uh, uh, board of directors for a salary of fifty thousand dollars a month. This was Hunter Biden. It was his friend Archer. Um, it was uh, a former Pol Polish president and so on. So he, he secured himself uh, for money. And the interesting thing is, uh, when you look at this story, that uh, uh, Hunter Biden at that time, it was, of course, conspiracy theory, but Hunt, uh, Hunter Biden wrote his own biography by now. And we see in the biography, when he uh, had a job in Kiev, paid $50,000 officially a month, he was absolutely stoned on crack, vodka, and whatever drugs. So he was not able to work, but he got the money. So what for? Of course, mm. uh, because his father, Joe Biden, after the Maidan, became the representative of the U.S. government for Ukraine. He was the one leading right. there, telling the way. Uh, there were even pictures when he was in, in Kiev. There was a meeting of the government and he took the place of the of the prime minister on the table. So it was absolutely open. Who is who is the one there? And that's the point. Um and, and this company where Hunter Biden was, this oligarch Sochevsky, he bought uh, the protection of Biden. That's what it was about. And there were things like like the prosecutor Shokin, um, a good a good man, and um, everybody said he's a good prosecutor, fighting corruption and so on. So nice guy. The only problem is that he end of two thousand, what it was, fifteen, started the uh, uh, the corruption scheme about about Burisma. Looked in this finals. And from that moment on, uh, the Western media started saying, he is corrupt, he's corrupt. And Biden, behind the scenes, uh, tried to convince Poroshenko to fire him, to fire Shokin, and to replace him. And this worked out um, because Biden came to Kiev, and this is something he himself, you can find it in, in YouTube, he himself yeah. told us later, very proudly, I think it was at the Council on Foreign Relations where he spoke, and he said that he, well, um, just fired that son of a bitch, uh, saying the Ukrainians... That's a quote. Okay, That's a quote. He said, son of a bitch is a quote. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's a quote. And uh, he said um, uh, the way it was done was uh, there was a discussion about a billion guarantee um, uh, for Ukraine from the US. And he said, you will not get the money if you don't fire the guy. So that's mm -hmm. it. And, and it worked out. And then he put in another prosecutor, uh, Mr. Lutsenko, who, of course, immediately closed down the files about Burisma. And this, the story was, for that time, closed. Hmm. We can go on with the 2019, but I think, well, I, I'm on your question. No, no, we uh, <laughs> get, for, I think there's a lot of things that need to be, um, that need to be explained. Uh, for example, you described the scheme, uh, how you could make a lot of money in Ukraine is via naftogas, and that is a corruption ah, scheme. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you, uh, for you, it's all uh, all clear, Thomas, but you have to understand, you have to talk to now to 14-year-old uh, 
children at your family table to explain what's go what was going on in Ukraine. So how did that scheme work? Yeah, well, the, the topic is so complex that it needs somehow a two-hour show for that. <laughs> That's why I mentioned to start with this topic. Okay, so um, what happened? Um, Ukraine already under Poroshenko, under the new president after the Maidan, I think in 2015, announced we don't buy any Russian gas, gas anymore. We buy our gas in Europe now. Well, everybody knows Europe has don't have any, has any gas. And then Ukraine is transit country. So the pipeline from Russia to Europe goes through Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um and what happened? So officially, they, they started buying European gas. Of course, it was not. Uh, they had some companies uh, located in Slovakia, Hungary, and so on. They were ordering Russian gas for Europe. But this gas, they sold immediately to Ukraine. So it happens, the gas goes in the transit pipeline and leaves the transit pipeline in Ukraine. And for that, a business for making this gas on the paper, European gas, because it's bought in Europe, paid in Europe, um, these companies took $100 per uh, 1,000 um, uh, cubic meters, which means uh, the gas price at that time for the gas itself was two to $300. So it was quite a lot of money, which was made just by putting a stamp on a paper saying this gas is from Europe, bought in Europe, of course, the Russian gas. And, and this is a business on, on which um, the Biden uh, clique, the Biden clan was sitting. This was their business. It was managed by Amos Hochstein. Amos Hochstein, mm. um, a nice guy. He was the, the energy um, advisor of Biden, I think, at that time. So he was managing this stuff. And Ukrainians I talked to, they even were afraid to mention his name. This man, they were really afraid of Hochstein. And what happened then is when Biden had to leave the White House, because Trump became president, Mr. Hochstein immediately became a member of the board of Naftogaz. And so we come to this company. Naftogaz is the Ukrainian state um, gas supplier. And, and this one is needed because Naftogaz buys the company, the, the, the Russian gas in Europe, and, and then brings it in Ukraine to the companies, to the households, and so on, and, and gets the money. So they are the one to, for receiving the money. And that's why Naftogaz was so important. And Hochstein, immediately after Biden left the White House, became a member of the board of this company, together with many, many other uh, foreigners of Biden and Soros, of, of that uh, team. And uh, the, the boss of... Um, Naftogaz, Mr. Kobolev, he was untouchable. We have many of these uh, phone talk, phone calls between Biden and uh, Poroshenko. They are mostly uh, deleted in the net. It's really hard to find them. Uh, they are really behind after that to, to delete them. Um, but anyway, there were these talks and they said, well, um, uh, Poroshenko wanted to get rid of Kobolev, but Biden protected. This man was untouchable. So, and then what happened uh, after um, the elections in 2020, Biden was already announced to become a president. It was clear that he will win the, war, the, the elections, at least behind the scenes, because uh, Hochstein already in October 20 left um, uh, Anaftogas, returned after uh, Biden became president, returned into the US government and became responsible for the energy uh, independence of Europe uh, and, so, and so on. <laughs> And of course, also responsible by, for um, uh, North Stream 2, uh, which mm -hmm. was at that time on uh, building, still on, on, on construction. Um, and, and this was in autumn 21. And if you read Hirsch, he said the discussions about blowing um, North Stream 2, North, the North Stream pipelines, this discussion started in autumn 21. So exactly at the moment when Mr. Hochstein came back into this office. Um, just an interesting detail. No, but it's uh, that is the because the point was that uh, the American government, when this pipeline 
which secured the flow of cheap gas, which is the German business model to get cheap energy, produce expensive things with that cheap energy, and that's broken down. And the American side had from the beginning started with sanctions, even against the German personnel of that company, because for them it was, yeah, while it was under construction, and this is really going on since the late 70s, that uh, the United States uh, uh, tries to prevent uh, the European states, not only Germany, that was even a quarrel between Thatcher and Reagan at that time. They want to prevent them from getting the cheap uh, Russian gas and the Russians, uh, the Soviets at that time were always, um, they stuck to their contracts minutely. So they were very, very sincere deliverers of gas for a cheap price. It was kind of a win-win situation for both. You want to say something? Go ahead. Yeah, um, uh, we have to understand this is maybe also important at this um, stage. Um, the Western propaganda always, and I call it propaganda, sorry, um, always said the Russians would use gas or whatever resources um, uh, as a political weapon. This is blackmail, sorry, as blackmail. Man. As blackmail, political weapon, whatever you call it, this is sorry bullshit. The thing is, mm. for Russians, it's always business. They still sell uh, through one still working pipeline through via Tur Turkey, still send gas to Europe. Even mm. right now at this situation, they supply um, the United States with uranium. For mm. them, it's just business. It we always can cut was. that short. The Soviets and the Russians have never used it as a blackmail tool. So there's no track record of that whatsoever. But uh, getting back to that, there's another thing that I learned from your book. I didn't know that um, at that time in 2014, before the Maidan, it was a situation where Ukraine was between a rock and a hard place. It was on the one hand, 50% of the economic relations was with Russia. And the other 50% was uh, European Union and other states. And uh, with a coup, that was very interesting. 50% of the, uh, of the say, gross natural product uh, came down. So they lost 50%. It was a, a harsh, it was a crisis, but not only for the economy, also for the people. Their income was reduced to 50%, while at the same time, because Ukraine was steering to, with the Maidan, which was a Newland operated, uh, Victoria Newland operated, they were coming under the reign of the uh, International Monetary Fund, International World Bank, and so on. And they have their austerity policies. So the people who before had um, subsidized for energy, for heating, um, the usual income of... But maybe you should tell that. I shouldn't tell that. So what was the situation after 2014 in terms of life in Ukraine? Yeah, but maybe we have to then to start a little bit with the with the reason for the Maidan. So there was this agreement or association Ukraine and and European Union. Um, the Europeans wanted that, and Ukrainian in general also wanted. But um, the problem, as you said, the problem was that um, the trade, the international trade of Ukraine, was fifty percent with, with Russia and other ex-Soviet um, states. So. Um, the Euro Europeans wanted, and they had they had some kind of a, of a uh, common uh, uh, custom zone. So the Europeans wanted that Ukraine leaves this custom zone and orientates to Europe. So which means, uh, at the end of the day, to to lose all these markets in former uh, Soviet republics, and and the government in Ukraine, uh, this was they, well, they were crazy anti-Russians. Um, look at the example with the gas. We don't buy Russian gas, but we still do, but just more expensive. 
Um, and the same happened with everything. They stopped trade with uh, Russian and former Soviet countries nearly at all. And this was also a big shock for the Euro uh, for the Ukrainian economy. The Ukrainians still were de delivering um, parts for the Russian air, uh, air industry, planes, uh, space rockets, um, uh, rocket. Uh, uh, yeah, rocket motors, so engines, all this stuff. And these things in the West, nobody wants. You Boeing and, and Airbus don't want to have a, a competitor in, in aircraft, in airplanes. So all these industries just ruined in Ukraine. They lost their market and, and the West doesn't buy them. So um, as you said, and everybody can check it out, check the uh, BIP of Ukraine uh, in the years 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. You see, official figures, it went down by half. Um, the propaganda is, yeah, that was because of the war and, and so on. No, <laughs> if you uh, get rid of 50% of your trade, you, your economy will fall by 50%. This is, you don't have to be an expert to understand that. Yeah, and of course, with the salaries also. We have to go, go to the ads and get back to this yeah. uh, after the ads again. Yeah. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. In case you missed it, Newsbusters highlighted an interview between Washington Post um, technology and online culture columnist, a woman by the name of Taylor Lorenz. She interviewed the woman that most of us know as Libs of TikTok. Her name is Chaya Rachik. And the topic here was children changing sexes. But if they're leading happy lives and they just are leading a Well, there are studies that show that they're more suicidal after transition. No, that's not true. Yeah, there's a study out of Sweden. That is not yeah. true. That is not true. Yeah, you can look up the study. Well, taking into account all of the happy people that have transitioned, who are not harming anyone, you can't come up with a single material harm. So if someone says, I'll be happier if I'm blind, should a doctor pull their eyes out? I think that's quite different than gender ideology. Then Lorenz made this absurd analogy. I mean, women ascribe to certain gender things. You see women getting boob jobs to affirm their gender. I mean, we're in Los Angeles. We see this kind of gender affirming. So again, you're comparing boob jobs and nose jobs to well, they're gender affirming. Being, uh, buying into the lie that they could uh, change their sex. Breast enhancements are gender affirming for women. Yes, didn't you know? Getting a nose job or a boob job is the same as having a child change sexes, quote unquote. The lunacy of the left. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like Know your warning signs so you can act early Make your environment safe by removing harmful items Activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts Reminders of things that make you feel strong Some of these steps might be tough to fill out and that's okay it can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. 
you might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. Dirk Pullman, Dirk Pullman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And we were discussing how the situation for the Ukrainians who helped for a better life because of the Western influence in the country was really the opposite. So what they have to do now is they have a monthly income of between $150 to $200 per month. And uh, that is about the amount of money that they have to pay for heating. So there's not much left for anything else, for example, food. It's a very difficult situation. Of course, a situation like this breeds corruption. And maybe you know, we have to, we have only 15 minutes. I think we need another show, Thomas. <laughs> but maybe you can explain how the interference in 2016 started. That was another interesting part of your book. Yeah, yeah this was an interesting story. So we all remember that uh, the, the Russians hacked the computer of the Democratic Party. And we know uh, that this was someone, not the real story. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the official story. Um, well, to make a long story short, um, you have to know that before that, we know this from the tapes of Mr. Onyshenko, who I interviewed, and this was also pu public on, on internet. Um, uh, there were discussions of Mr. Sluchevsky, the owner of Burisma, who had hired Hunter Biden to be safe, safe and sound. Um, uh, and he wanted to buy free. I'd also like they to mention the son of John Kerry was also part of the scheme in Burisma. Yeah, 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 That's, yeah. So it's a really family. Ukraine became a, a rich guy, family run business from the United States. But carry on, because yeah, this is really a bombshell. So interference, really, there's no interference from Russia into the elections, but from Ukraine. You will <laughs> mark my words. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so the, the fact that uh, Onyshenko published, um, and it was about the topic that Slochevsky, the oligarch uh, who owned Burisma and paid the Biden son and uh, Kerry's son and the former Polish president, um, he wanted to buy free. At that time, he had to deliver to be not for the uh, that, that he will not be touched by the uh, prosecution. He had uh, to pay Mr. Poroshenko $1 million a month. Not in money, but in free gas for the uh, factories of Poroshenko. He is also an oligarch. So, and he wanted to buy free and offered 50 million. Uh, and po po Poroshenko at the end of the day said, and, and Onyshenko, the, the guy I was talking with, who published the, the talk, he was the one um, traveling be between Slochevsky and Poroshenko for the negotiations. So, and and the, the funny thing is that Poroshenko at the end of this day said 50 million is not, is not enough. And then, uh, very interesting. Uh, then Slochevsky said, well, if it's not enough for Poroshenko, maybe for Biden it's enough. And this money went uh, via very, very black schemes uh, right into the uh, financing of the Clinton campaign in 2016, for example. Well, there are many, many um, examples. Uh, a guy in Ukraine and um, a lawmaker uh, made many things open. He also published uh, the bank accounts, and there were at least $16 million paid um, via Baltic states, Cyprus to New York, to Rosemont Seneca, which is a company of uh, the sons of Biden and Kerry. And, and uh, they got this money for cons uh, consultation. So Biden, who had 
didn't have Biden Jr., didn't have a clue of gas, of Ukraine. He was absolutely a junkie of being on crack and so on, but received millions of dollars for consultation of Burisma in Ukraine. And at the same time, his father, Joe Biden, as vice president, was busy to close down all these uh, uh, prosecution uh, uh, cases for, for corruption and so on. So this is money which went directly, um, well, not directly, but from Burisma to Biden. Uh, we, we have all this. This is all open, but the Western media don't see it. They don't want to see it. Hmm. So uh, to put that again, while we were discussing for, I think, three years, Russian interference on part of the Trump campaign into politics, this was go always going on with the FBI investigation into that. At the same time, from Ukraine, there was black money going into the Clinton campaign. And we don't know it because <laughs> uh, the media didn't report it. But uh, in your book, we hear, for example, there's one guy, Dekach, who made, yeah, uh, um, I think, three three press conferences. Oh, no, no, many more, told him, much more. Much more. Much more. Okay. I, I read about three. But you can say uh, none of that arrived in the West. They they were, I mean, if you, you have the transcripts of the conferences in here, and if you read that, but you tell that. It's not, I just read it. So you tell what you, yeah, it's, what it's, you have there. It's again the story. Um, okay. Then we have to come back. Derkach was fighting uh, corruption, um, trying to fight it. And and the thing is, he's... Who is Derkach? You have to explain who he is. Yeah, yeah. He's a lawmaker. He's a lawmaker um, uh, in, in Ukraine, quite popular one. He was always direct candidate um, and then was for 20, 30 years in the parliament. Um, he was fighting corruption. And, and the thing is um, that when, when all these uh, Burisma uh, cases were closed down by the new um, prosecutor in, in Ukraine, uh, later on in 2019, uh, this uh, prosecutor, by the way, Lutsenko, you can read it in The Hill, US News. Uh, Lutsenko then came public in, US, in the US with an interview and saying uh, that he had a down touch list from the, from the uh, US embassy. So the embassy came to him and said, you don't uh, work against this, 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 they are untouchable. They can break the laws as long as they want. And he made this open when it was clear that Zelensky will win the elections. Um, anyway, it didn't save him. He was exchanged end of August 2019. And the new uh, prosecutor, first of all, so Lutsenko had opened the cases against Burisma again, and the new prosecutor on this first working day closed them down again. <laughs> so this is how it works. Um, and... Uh, uh, well, we can go on. I would with, like to get into that once again because yeah. uh, that's important. Yeah. There was a list provided by the U.S. Embassy who could be prosecuted for corruption in Ukraine. They made sure that not, it not, was their people. Not, not, not. Don't touch list. It was a down touch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't touch. This is what I mean. They said these people are maybe they may be corrupt or we, uh, they probably are, but we don't want them to be touched. So and that is another scheme. Um, that's NABU. That's uh, there's a whole organization which officially is fighting corruption and in reality is uh, uh, <laughs> helping to have a, the most corrupt system that Ukraine <laughs> ever had. You have to explain that also. We don't have very much time that, that left, that but it should be enough. <laughs> National Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine um, was opened, uh, was ordered by, by Joe Biden to be opened in 2015, and it should uh, take corruption schemes away from the prosecutor and be um, responsible for big corruption schemes, for example, Burisma. Um, so it was opened <laughs> on an order of Biden, and it was from the first day on controlled by the U.S. Embassy. And... Um, 
it's quite funny because uh, the the boss, the director of Nebu, is is a very uh, experienced person. He himself got charged for you for, for corruption two thousand nineteen, which didn't cost him the job, because he was loyal to Biden. Um, so many many uh, funny things. And when uh, Lutsenko, by the way, this is interesting because Trump didn't mention what happened in Ukraine. All the people in Ukraine uh, from the US side, in the embassy, the FBI representative, the ambassador, ambassador and so on, they were all from the Obi uh, Obama and Biden administration. Trump didn't touch them. He didn't know what they were doing. And when this interview of uh, Lutsenko came public in the Hill in April uh, 2019, Trump only recognized what happened in Ukraine, sent Giuliani to, to find out what's going on there, and then he fired Ambassador Yovanovitch. Maybe if you uh, looked at the, all this impeachment against Trump, you will at every edge you find Yovanovitch. He was a very, very important um, uh, person for, for the Democrats. But anyway, she didn't say anything in the hearings except for Trump didn't like me. Uh, so, But you, you see all these names. So what I'm telling is something which you can see. All these names, FBI representative Karen Greenway, uh, Maria Juranovic, the ambassador, and so on. These are all people who were with, um, uh, witnesses in the uh, impeachment process. And these were all people installed from Obama-Biden and then fired from Trump when he got when you got to know what's happening in Ukraine. And as he was fighting this scheme, they started the impeachment. That's a funny story. Yeah, they were. It's also that Trump was probably uh, Ukraine was not a topic, uh, a political huge topic at that time. That only started with the war, I think. Before, so it was not on his radar scheme. No, no. Go ahead. Ukraine became a topic in 2019. Please remember all the impeachment yeah, okay. was 19. about Trump. Okay. Yeah, 19. So 19. It was, of course, now it's a bigger topic. But Ukraine came into the focus in 19 when Trump started to look what's up there. It immediately Ukraine became a topic and Trump was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's what I mean is we, we have uh, 2014 and uh, in the years after that, when these things were going on, that was not on the radar screen in the United States because it was he was fighting, you know, he came to power and then was Russia gate. And then there was always something that he that took his attention, but he only noticed that late. And then is this transfer um, transfer to Zelensky. That's uh, you described that. Uh, that's also what I found quite interesting. Uh, that Zelensky was paid for by an oligarch, um, and then he had the show on TV. We probably know that uh, the ser servant of the people, um, and that was a Netflix show. That's another thing. <laughs> that's uh, a show uh, on the Ukrainian TV produced by Netflix. That also sounds a little bit like cultural influence into politics. But you explain us the transfer to Zelensky. Maybe we have enough time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Poroshenko was quite unpopular. He was loyal to the US, to, uh, but he was un unpopular in Ukraine because of the um, well of the fact that the people lost fifty percent of the income. So it was clear that Poroshenko couldn't win the war. And the question is, who, where do I find a new president which is a puppy? And um, so they, Zelensky was a very popular comedian. I also liked his shows. And then he, he had this TV show uh, coming up in which he was playing the good. And, and not corrupt president, something the Ukrainians were really hoping for, praying for. And uh, he was prepared via this show to be a president. Also, he's, he's a comedian, sorry. He's a comedian by by, by his job. But um, uh, the show went on a channel of the oligarch Kolomoisky, who, by the way, is on the very short uh, uh, line of the US because the FBI is always saying, we have something against you, we have something against you. Um, 
and Kolomoisky was the guy giving the media place for for Zelensky for his campaign. And the the flow the the show was produced by Netflix, and he became the new president. And he is the one. Uh, well, not enough time today. We have so many ex examples to see. Just uh, by the way, just these days, when when the Western media say Ukraine is an independent country, I didn't write about this yet. I will do it today. It, it's right from yesterday. Uh, Ukraine official government uh, members of Ukraine said they have now to cut down social programs because they don't have enough money, and they were ordered to do this by the West. Official announcement, announcement in Kiev of the so-called independent Ukraine. Of course, the West US doesn't don't decide anything about Ukraine. They say it openly there, but Western media don't cover it. It was an official statement. We are forced by the Western partners to cut it down. So Zelensky, um, he, uh, that is uh, the person Poroshenko and Biden, where that was a close connection. But Zelensky, that had to be established. Uh, maybe you tell us how that was done. Uh, yeah, Zelensky, um, this is a complicated story. So he came to power. First of all, he also was fighting Poroshenko, even was flirting with Trump. Um, but of course, uh, somewhere behind the scenes, they told him very quickly that this is not a good idea. And and he did many things to, to make Biden angry. And when we look at 2021, when Biden became president, um, Zelensky nearly every day begged for a meeting with Biden and the White House ignored Zelensky for a very long time. Even when Biden was in Europe, you remember in, in, in summer 2021, Biden met Putin in, in Switzerland uh, and he didn't even answer to the begging of Zelensky, please, please meet me. Um, uh, Zelensky, by the way, also tried in all April 2021 to fire Mr. Kobolev. You remember Naftogaz, the company getting the money from the gas in Ukraine. Zelensky mm. had financial problems because the oligarch didn't like him anymore. And he wanted to have access to the money of Naftogaz and fired Kobolev. And this was quite interesting. He, the announcement was 28th of April that he was firing Kobolev. Uh, 27th of April, so the rumors already in the world. 27th of April, Blinken says, I have to go to Kiev quickly. And one week later, Blinken was in Kiev and had a nice meeting with all parties except for Zelensky's party. So uh, they really, and, and Newland was there and announced to the Ukrainian press that this uh, person, Kobolev, was a very important topic in the discuss discussions. So these are, mm -hmm. this is all open. The thing is, people don't know it, understand this, because all these Russian or Ukrainian names uh, sound so strange and then you mix them up. But it's quite interesting how this is all connected. And you can see this really. Zelensky wants to fire Kobolev, Blinken is immediately in Kiev. And Biden uh, ignores Zelensky for months. And when, when Zelensky comes in September to the meeting, at least to the White House, the C-SPAN TV station calls him Mr. Levinsky, President Levinsky from Ukraine. So he was really... <laughs> I have to interrupt you. Yeah. We have to go. We it's have to make long. another show. At, uh, <laughs> but thank you, Thomas, and uh, for another time. Yeah, this is going on. Quagmire. <laughs>